welcome to the seventh episode of the Session 7 Podcast, the show that brings you the latest news, insights, and reviews on all things nerdy. I'm Matt. And I'm Joe. In this episode, we're going to dive into Dungeons & Dragons just a little bit more, and Magic the Gathering, discussing latest updates, releases, and strategies for both games, but that's not all. We're also talking about some of our favorite board games, video games, and current events in the nerdy community. We've got it all covered. So sit back, relax, and join us for a session of geekery and fun with the Session 7 Podcast. All right. So today, we wanted to cover some of the D&D races that appear in the player's handbook, just the basic nine races that kind of start start you out when making a character. So the first one that we're going to go over is the Dragonborn race. I know, Joe, you've played this a couple times. Are we going in alphabetical order? No, just random order. It's oh, okay. One, it's the first one I clicked on. Yeah, the Dragonborn is a ton of fun. I really like it. I've played them a few times, right. yeah. So Dragonborns are essentially just a dragon humanoid, but they are technically humanoid not dragon but dragon and humanoid they're it's, like yeah, both it's like a mixture yeah but i forget they, they don't have wings do they or they don't get wings or does maybe, um, maybe like it depends s- on uh like if you do the sorcery dragon subclass then you do get but wings that has nothing stuff, to do but they don't actually have wings no they're just yeah. a humanoid they walk you know they don't fly they don't breathe uh, no, they do get breath weapons, actually. They, they do, do, They yeah. do get breath, breath weapons. But uh, dragon burns are cool. I know that they follow the same rules as the like normal dragons as far as their color goes, the chromatic and the metallic, and then there's yeah. also the gem. Which what? is, yeah, which is a good flavor thing, too, because, you know, if you want to play your character and you pick a dragonborn as your race it's nice because you have a lot of options you know you get to pick from not only the chromatic color dragons which is what you would normally think you get to pick from now with the addition of fizzbins into the D world you have topaz dragons emerald dragons plus you have the metallic colors brass bronze gold so on and so forth metallic was in og like player's handbook though right pretty sure uh, the metallic was yeah but i was just saying it from a standpoint of yeah yeah you wouldn't think you would normally get those colors. You think just chromatic when you think of D and D. Yeah, Dragonborns are cool because you know they have a lot of role play features to them too for flavor. Just if you want to build a character solely based around that, they're very clan based cre- kind of creatures. They um, worship their clan over gods themselves. That's kind of the way Dragonborns go. Their clans are pretty cool. They're self sufficient. They do all kinds of things on their own, and they're a very proud race. They value pride immensely. And I know that they're also the size of humans, too. I mean, I think all of the races that we're going to be talking about are technically around the size yeah, of humans. Yeah, they're medium-sized creatures so like to D&D. Yeah. A, a normal dragon it would be huge, right? It could, yeah. be like the si- it could be the size of like a castle. Yeah, I think even a wormling's like, what, large? A yeah, large wormling, creature, it's oh, a size, a size it bigger? It could be, yeah. The, the, I think like the smallest worm, wormling is like as big as the largest horse. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, some traits here for the Dragonborn are, um, with the ability scores, they do increase your strength score by two and your charisma by one. They age, which, this is a cool little tidbit here. Your Dragonborns, they grow quick, and they walk hours after hatching. Yes, I said hatching. Um, I guess they come from eggs. I didn't know that. Dragonborns come from eggs. Apparently, what came first, the dragon or the egg? Well, I don't know. Um, so omelet, I think. It says hatching here, so I'm, I'm assuming they hatch. Um, they develop... 10-year-old, uh, they develop the same as what would be a 10-year-old child at the age of three. So a dragonborn at three years old would be the equivalent of a 10-year-old human child. Oh, so they develop faster they than They develop faster than humans, By yes. about three times. They reach adulthood at 15, and they live to be around 80. 
Okay. So they pretty much spend most of their life as an adult. Uh, they are medium size. We did go over that. They are typically taller and heavier than humans, and they stand well over six feet tall, and they average almost like 250 pounds. Now, those are just basic things that the D&D book has for you there. Um, you can always adjust that how you like. I kind of use those when I make a character. If I were making a Dragonborn, I would just use those as like a guide, you know, at least six foot. Right. Or an average, like at least at a minimum six foot. Cool thing about these guys is, is like we discussed already, they do get ancestral powers from the dragon of color that you pick. Now, Player's Handbook doesn't include the Fisbin stuff. So it just has black, blue, brass, bronze, copper, gold, green, red, silver, and white, which are the metallic chromatic dragon colors. And when Matt says Fisbins, he's talking about the supplementary rule set. It's a book. It's called Fisbin's Guide to... Uh, Treasury of Dragons. Yeah, sorry. Fisbin's Treasury of Dragons. Uh, a lot of the times, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro will, you know, they'll come out with a new rule set to expand upon the, like, options that you have. Sometimes they'll, like, errata rules. Um, they'll make it so, you know, there's certain changes. Kind of like uh, if you were to, like, look at a piece of software or even a video game where they would release like uh, a patch or DLC. It's kind of the same idea. So Fizzbins is like a patch or a DLC, but I think for the most part, we're sort of focusing, loosely focusing on the player's handbook with, of course, touching on the things that happen in Fizzbins. But yeah. Like we said earlier, um, they do get breath weapons, which is pretty cool because, you know, based off the color you pick for your ancestral powers, your dragon can breathe that weapon type. Red, you know, fire, blue, lightning, green, poison, black acid, white, you know, cold damage, silver cold damage, gold fire, copper acid, bronze lightning, you know, it's just, it's cool to see or have the ability just to kind of hit with a breath weapon. And sometimes the breath weapon is either a cone or it's, it could be a straight line. And that'll be all dependent on the color you pick. So like, I think my, I think Spike was, he was chromatic blue. So he had a line of lightning that he shot. And even though chromatic is technically evil, you know, I made, I'm, you can make him, it's your character. You can make him do whatever you want. He, he was born into like an evil household, but he rejected it and he wasn't necessarily good, but I definitely made him neutral. So he wasn't evil, even though he was chromatic. Um, but yeah, like Matt said, kind of rolls into whatever you pick. So I think Dragonborn is one of the few that has like another choice that you make instead of just like, oh, I'm rolling with human where you just kind of chill in as vanilla human, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, continue. Yeah, and it's also cool because um, they not only get the breath weapon, but they get damage resistance to that damage type, which I think is cool starting out character. You already have resistance to an elemental type which gives you that benefit later down the line because you never know, like, if you pick a dragonborn, in this case, you pick the blue dragonborn for Tyranny of Dragons. Now, me, as from the DM of that campaign, I can tell you right now, the only blue dragon that was in that book was Lenathan. I made you fight him as a part of homebrew stuff that I did on the in-between the books kind of section that we did. It's not included, but you didn't know that. You picked that, you got the damage resistance, I made you fight Lenathan. From the beginning of the campaign, you had a leg up on that combat the whole time because you already were resistance to his breath attack which you know adult ancient dragons or breath attacks can be lethal at certain levels so oh yeah it's pretty cool to have that it's a a good boost to your early level character and then of course uh, languages they speak common they speak draconic that's all they get nothing special about the languages there wait i thought after the new rule set don't you get to pick a new language instead of draconic if you want Uh, or is that just 
No, it says you can speak, read, and write common and draconic. Draconic is thought to be one of the oldest languages and is often used in study of magic. Gotcha. Okay. Sorry. I know that it, what kind of, and I think I've said this in our first episode, but or maybe the second episode, but what kind of goes hand in hand with dragons and dragonborns is the sorcery. You kind of mentioned that sorcerer has a, a subclass that's draconic bloodline. And that kind of ties into the whole theme of dragons being, you know, dependent on like whatever like dragon house they were born into or whatever their family was or whatever the color is. And it's just kind of cool. And I know um, I also would like to touch base on each class, uh, each race, um, what kind of classes they'd be. And like Joey mentioned, a sorcerer is a good, easy class to do with a dragonborn if you're just getting started. They get the plus one to charisma. And if you do end up needing to defend yourself with a weapon, you can pick a strength-based weapon um, if you're proficient, which I don't believe they are. But you do get that plus to strength. So if you ever need to throw a javelin, you have the ability to do that with that plus two to strength. Even if you don't, you do have the benefit of the fact that it won't be a negative stat for you if you have to ever do like an athletics check or anything to that nature because you are getting that plus two. So you can just drop, you can dump that stat um, to an eight and you get the racial trait for plus two, making it a base 10. And then you can use the other points if you point by to, you know, add in wherever else. Some other classes that would actually be pretty good with dragonborns would be like barbarian or fighter and then actually paladin because i think they're charisma casters and dragonborns also get a benefit to charisma and paladins i think use strength weapons and dragonborns have that strength so paladins are like the ultimate dragonborn yeah class in my opinion but that's just an opinion yeah 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 I mean, I think sorcerer for me but uh, yeah yeah i i think that if you were to look at the paladin like class it has a dragonborn in in the artwork so mm-hmm. yeah you're oh i didn't even th- i didn't even know that yeah i wasn't even pay- i don't ever pay attention to pictures sometimes. or maybe I it's mostly read stats. maybe it's an orc there's a dragonborn artwork somewhere in the book that's a paladin yeah. but I, I always think of uh arcan the cruel when i think of paladin he's oh, actually yeah. a paladin he's an evil paladin he's he worships tiamat but paladin dragonborn a good go-to sorcerer great go-to speaking of tiamat i pulled a second tiamat you did tell me that. I well, Paige told me that. She showed me the picture. I pulled one, but then I pulled a second one. Oh shit! I think yesterday. So I know you said you wanted one, but anyway, sorry. You're good. Go ahead. I don't have any tribute. Anyway, so the next race we're going to talk about are the dwarf race. You all know these guys fairly well if you've ever watched or seen Lord of the Rings in any way. These are the very short and stout, the very stereotypical drunken brawlers, the forgers, the swordsmiths, the armor makers, the miners, miners, the legendary magic weapon makers, brewers, all kinds of lore and holding brewers, a hammer and a all kinds of stuff. These guys are short, they're stout, they more typically under five feet tall they apparently hold grudges for since they can live to be over 400 years and according to D D, you know they like to hold a grudge which, i can see that actually i mean i believe it too i mean you ever you know you've seen the movies where they get drunk and pissed off at people and then they just kind of hold on to it and eventually comes back later in the movie there are two different types of dwarves, right? There's the hill dwarf, and then there's the mountain dwarf. And I think the mountain dwarves are the ones that are pretty hardy, but the hill dwarves are the ones that are like like the seven dwarves. <laughs> you know? I don't know. Uh, yes. Yes, they, they are. And they each give you different kind of different abilities also, which is also a cool thing. Dwarves also kind of separate themselves into clans and kingdoms. They are also a very, I would say, proud race um, as well. They take pride in 
you know, the things they make, if they're forging or brewing or pretty much whatever. If dragonborns were prideful about their family, I think dwarves are prideful about their race, right? Their mm-hmm. kinship, their, oh, strong dwarven mead is the best kind of mead. Or, and you if know. you're not a dwarf, you're not cool. I think for the most part. Mm-hmm. You're saying that dr- the dwarves are the racist ones? In the- <laughs> no, I'm just saying that they they <laughs> appreciate dwarves more than the others. I actually played a dwarf. Um, I played a drunk monk dwarf. It was our friend Tyler. He made a, home- a homebrew subclass for the monk. And I think I made my dwarf racist against hill dwarves. I was like, I really only care about mountain dwarves or something like that. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. That was funny. Um, it was a good feature to add in there. Okay, so dwarfs get an ability score increase to their constitution, plus two. They age the same rate as humans, but they are considered young until they reach 50 years old and can age to about 350 years old. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, they can live even longer than that too, so it's nuts. They stand between four and five feet tall. Average about 150 pounds, and they are considered medium-sized you know, in D&D. Talking about dwarves just makes me want to go back and play the Dragon Age games again. You ever play those? I've played Inquisition a little bit. I haven't played... The first one's great. Yeah. Here's the difference with dwarves from the other kind of player sample races is they only move 25 feet, and their speed is not reduced by wearing heavy armor because they're battle-hardened. These guys wear heavy armor on a daily, so this is something that doesn't hinder them, but... Their movement speed is probably reduced, I would say, due to their size, but there's no real clear definite answer on that. They just kind of were like, hey, 25 feet, dwarf. Um, They do have dark vision, which allows them to see up to 60 feet in darkness, which is cool. Uh, They have what's called dwarven resilience. So dwarven resilience gives them advantage on any saving throws against poison, and they have resistance against poison damage, which is really cool. So they have the Dwarven Resilience, po- uh, advantage against po- saving throws against poison and resistance to poison damage, which is really cool. Back to the Tyranny campaign, Dwarf, Green Dragon, resistance to poison. Awesome ability. Dwarven ha- Dwarves have Dwarven Combat Training. They have proficiencies with Battle Axes, Hand Axes, Light Hammers, and a War Hammer. So it gives you those proficiencies to those weapons that you may not, they may, other races may not have that proficiency right away. They have tool proficiency, so they get proficiency in an artisan's tools of your choice. Um, They give you three to list, pick from, which are the smith's tools, the brewer's tools, the mason's tools, which makes sense to the dwarf race. These are kind of three backgrounds they specialize in. They also have this ability, which I like this ability for roleplay purposes. I don't know about you, Joe. It's called stone cunning. So they can make history checks to check the origin of stonework, and they're considered proficient in this skill. Yeah, that one comes up a lot whenever I DM for some reason. Yeah, I don't. I, I get to, I mean, it, I use it. So, yeah. Yeah, I, it's just, I think it's cool. It's, it adds flavor, kind of gives a glimpse of the architecture of the area you're in. So, I like that. It's cool. Um, they also have two t- types of dwarfs, like you said earlier Hill Dwarf, Mountain Dwarf. Um, each one gives you an additional bonuses to the basic dwarf bonuses that we just went over. So, stat, stat bonuses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also give you additional to so we'll, we'll just go over it hill dwarf they give you a wisdom score increase of one which plus i guess the, the constitution that I, sounds like uh could be good for what, what's wisdom wisdom casters uh, clerics yeah druids yeah. yep 
Druid. Oh, yeah. Druids are wisdom casters, so they could be druid if they wanted to. That's a good point. And they also get dwarven toughness, which gives uh, their hit point maximum increased by one. Wait, hill dwarfs do? Yeah. Oh. Hill dwarfs. And it increases by one every time you gain a level. So druid would be really good Mm -hmm. because they have the the, uh, natural um, constitution, Mm -hmm. uh, higher hit points, and then they have the um, wisdom. Sorry, I know I'm slugging it. They have the wisdom, which helps for casting. So uh, next time I make a druid, I'm going to probably use a hill dwarf. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Low-key uh, kind of slept in there. Nobody ever thinks about it because most people, they play mountain dwarfs, and we'll go into why, um, and they pick clerics, paladins, paladins fighters, yeah. barbarians, and they go hog wild because dwarves give them the – because barbarians typically don't wear armor, but with dwarves you get the proficiency in armor. So, there you go, you know. But Mountain Dwarves gives you the strength increase of two, plus the constitution increase of two from being a dwarf, just in general. Plus they have the Dwarven Armor Training, which gives you proficiency in light and medium armor. So that gives you the in to play a Barbarian, for example. And then you get the medium armor proficiency, plus all the bonuses of being a dwarf, Mountain Dwarf, plus all the bonuses of just being a disgusting barbarian that's going to troll through everything as it comes into your path. So Mountain Dwarves are just as good as the Hill Dwarfs, just depending on what you play. And we just listed a couple cl- classes. Like Joey said, the Druid for the Hill Dwarf is a good to play. Clerics are good to play. Paladins, Barbarians, Fighters. pretty much They pretty much work for the Clerics and Paladins when you're looking at Half-Casters or Casters. And druids for casters as well. Um, and they also fill all of the non-casting roles except for monk. I mean, you can be a you monk. You can also be a monk, I guess. I get, well, yeah. I didn't think of that. You guess you could be. Monk Monk uses wisdom stat, doesn't it? Uh, I think it's dex. No, They're no, mostly no. dex-based, aren't they? For for the key points, right? No. No. Is you just dex? spend a key point. Oh. You just spend it like a, like a rage almost. Okay. Like a barbarian rage. So, yeah, they could play monks too. Well, yeah. If you wanted to. Like I said, my guy was a monk. Okay, so the next race we're going to go over, which this one's probably picked, I'd say, the most, in my opinion, because everybody wants to play an elf, would be the elves. The beautiful and graceful... Legolas. Yes. Legolas. Galadriel. Of D&D. These guys also live to be eternally old, like a thousand years old old they says here they typically dwell in small forest villages hidden among trees they obviously do the basic things on game gather food vegetables and they hone their skills in magic and they explore and adventure elves see i don't don't know i just elves aren't for me they're like wild at heart right so i mean that not at heart they're wild they can be wild but like they're they have a wanderlust that's maybe what i was trying to say i think i think movies and like just stereotype conceptions ruined elves for me i don't know i just i, I mean, always see elves as arrogant cocky non-nice people so i just don't like them what was the elf progenitor was it J.R.R. tolkien you know like his elves i think are pretty much the catalyst for um any other elf that has been made right i have no idea what you're talking about none i'm saying J.R.R. tolkien's elf any of his elf race is like the template that you know the witcher would use to make their elves or like they're not using keebler elves they're using elves that <laughs> you know what i mean I, I do now yeah keebler elves <laughs> when you said keebler elf yeah i know what you mean yeah. they're using tolkien's elf yeah i got you I'm, okay. I'm picking up what you're putting down and and i'm sure gary gygax it's no secret that lord of the rings and jrr tolkien's like fantasy stuff is has inspired 
Gygax and like Wizards of the Coast's creation of Dungeons and Dragons. So their version of Elf isn't cookies in a tree. <laughs> it's sorry, I just love the Keebler Elf explanation. That's so, so when I when I say catalyst, when I say progenitor, I'm talking about like it's it's conception, it's parent idea, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I what I'm trying to basically come to the same conclusion is that your idea of elves are pretty accurate oh, okay. <laughs> sorry you're, you're good hey made made for a laugh so it's all that matters um anyway so elves get a dexterity increase of two they age like i said they can live up to 750 years old um they age the same as humans they just live like f- 10 times longer yeah typically between five six feet tall slender graceful beautiful Yep. arrogant <laughs> sorry that was that last one was just added in there by me medium size dark vision walk 30 feet they have proficiency in perception which would make sense hunting game things like that they have a fey ancestry which allows them to have advantage on saving throws against being charmed and put to sleep also really cool it kind of prevents that early game charm effect or any kind of charm effect even late in game like yeah. possibly affect a character that plays an elf yep. which is really cool um, and here's the big thing that a lot of people make characters off of is, is they have this thing called trance, which allows them to kind of meditate for four hours instead of sleeping an entire eight hours that's, for long rests. That's a really good, that's a, that's a, probably one of the main reasons to pick an elf, I think, in my opinion, Yeah. to be the watchdog yeah. of the party. I mean, I don't really make elves. I have made one though, and I made it because of that ability. It was just so beneficial. Um, they speak common and elvish. And there is a two kinds of elves you can be. They have one, it's an Eladrin. It is a variant version of the elf race. And these guys get an intelligence score of one, as well as the other increase we went over, which is the plus two to dex. And they have elf weapon training with proficiency with long swords, short sword, short bow, long bow. Plus they get a face step, which essentially allows them to use a racial trait to cast Misty Step which is awesome. Um, also, Elegens tra- change with the seasons. So you get to pick the season and you look like fall or spring, summer, winter, so on and so forth. And it's really cool. That also adds some roleplay features. Then you have the High Elves, Intelligence Score of 1. They also get the Elven Weapon Training. They get a cantrip of your choice from the Wizard Spell List because you use the Intelligence as your spellcasting ability for these guys. They can also speak, speak, read, and write an extra language of your choice. Wood elves, wisdom of one, same elf weapon training. They have fleet foot, though. They can walk an extra five feet. Super nice for combat purposes. They also have mask of the wild. You can hide even when you're in uh, lightly obscured by foliage, heavy rain, falling snow, mist, and or other natural phenomena, which is good for depending on what kind of class you want to play. Wood elves, for example, will be good rogues. High elves probably be be a good wizard. Um, and Eladrin, to be honest, I'd probably put, play a wizard out of these. Something intelligence-based casting. Something. D- didn't you make an Eladrin for one of our one-shots? Or was it Chris? No, it was me. I just can't remember what the heck I made with it. Um, what, what class I picked on top of that. Was it, the one, was it the one where my character levitated you? It might have been. I, for some reason, decided I wanted to cast levitate on Matt's character in one of these one-shots. I don't remember why. I think my character was lawful evil, and I was just irked or irritated. Or my character, not, not me, but my character was irritated with something your character did. Or it was because... You wanted to, your character wanted to split the party, 
you wanted to go over here where these people were screaming. Oh yeah, and no, And because I remember, yep. I'm lawful evil, I'm like, I just want to go do the thing that we're being told to do. I decided I wanted to pick you up and take you with us because lawful yeah. I'm making you yeah. obey. And it only worked for so many feet and then yeah. it just <laughs> fell and took damage. Yeah. So I was you, above ten feet. And then you heat metaled my belt or something. Yeah. Um Sorry. so the next one's gnome. They are very energetic and enthusiastic. Um, they typically only get about three feet tall, roughly around 50 pounds. And that's like an extra five pounds I added on to what it says here. They typically are concerned with being alive and how awesome it is. They're very happy people. They are just positive as all can be. They're not proud like the dragonborn or the elves. They're more like exactly the opposite. Yeah. But, Laid, yeah, laid back and they're know, the hippies. They're the hippies of the D and D races. Them and halflings, I think. Right? Yeah. So these guys get an intelligence score of two. They age the same rate as humans, but they live five hundred years old at as like a max, three to four feet tall, average of forty pounds. They are small sized. Yeah. That's one of the races that have a very different. Um, it's a totally different size category. Yeah, size category one smaller. They also walk 25 feet based off of that. I would assume, again, doesn't say. Size category, by the way, is a metric used to determine the size of your creature, I think, or your character. I think for the most part, everyone's medium, except for gnomes, uh, halflings. And I think goliaths can be categorically large. I mean, I think they're considered medium, but I think they have some things about them that uh, car- carry size. They can pick up a creature one size larger. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yep. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. These guys also have dark vision. They also have an ability called Gnome Cunning. Advantage in all intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws against magic. Speak, read, and write common and gnomish. There's also the Deep Gnome. Dex increase of one. They only live 250 years. Typically, these guys avoid... Entanglements, they try to be just survive, try to be on their own and alive. They have superior dark vision of 120 feet, stone camouflage, so dex stealth checks they have advantage on in rocky terrain. They speak, read, and write no mission under common, which is cool. Rock gnomes, constitution increase of one, artificer's lore, so they get it, uh, have this thing that allows them to make a history check on anything related to magic items, alchemical objects, or technological devices. That's you kind of like twice your proficiency bonus. That's kind of like stone counting, right? Uh, kind of, but it's the gnome version, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's cool. Which is also really it, cool. I didn't realize they had that. This also has this tinkerer's ability. There's a lot to that. I'm not going to really go in that. But if you like playing intelligence-based classes, Rock Gnome, I highly recommend Artificer. It seems really geared to that class. Uh, just because of the tinker feature and the Artificer's lore. I think that class would very well go there. But gnomes can pretty much be played anywhere you want to play them. Um, the na- next one is half-elf, half-human, half-elf. Very self-explanatory. Look like humans, look like elves. What are they? They're they're a, a mixed breed, right? Yeah, they're half of each. Uh, parent um, One parent was an elf, the other parent was a human. Yep. Uh, these guys have a charisma score of plus two. And then two other abilities of your choice get an increase of one. They age the same rate as humans do, but typically never live longer than 180 years. They are medium, typically between five and six feet tall. They move 30 feet, dark vision. They have the same fey ancestry as elves. They have uh, 
skill versatility, which gives them proficiency in two skills of their choice. They speak, read, and write common, elvish, and one other language. That's a half-elf. Sums it up. Nothing really special about these guys other than the fact that they are half-elves. They are half-elf and mostly half-human. And I say that because that's the way they have it for D&D. It's just the way they made it. It's the way we play it. Yep. Next ones are the halflings. They are very similar to the... Hobbits. Yes, but... Gnomes. They're halflings. They are small, typically about three feet tall, about 45, 50 pounds. They are kind and curious people. They, Again, their their progenitor was the J.R.R. Tolkien's version of um, hobbits. Yes. That's so what they are. They're kind and nice, cheerful people. Yep. Hob- uh, halflings are adept to fitting in the crowds, typically with humans, dwarves, or elves. They like very polite people, very nice, very kind. Dex increase to two. Age, uh, they reach adulthood at 20, and they generally live to their second, middle of their second century, which is weird. It doesn't give you an actual age in this one like it does the other races. They are about three feet tall and 40 pounds. They are also small size and only walk 25 feet. They have this cool feature called Lucky. So if you roll a one on a D20 on an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you can re-roll it. <coughs> Must use the new roll. I think that's pretty cool. Just a cool little... Hey, I'm a, I'm a halfling. Hey. They also have a brave ability, which allows them to have advantage on saving throws against being frightened, which is cool. They can also move through spaces of any creature that is a size larger than them with nimbleness, which is a halfling-only feature. And they can speak, read, and write common in halfling. Halfling language isn't a secret, but they are... They loathe to share it with others. It's just kind of between them kind of thing. So That's interesting, actually. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. You can also play a lightfoot halfling or a stout halfling. I didn't know they had different halflings. A lightfoot halfling is a charisma score increase of one, and then you get naturally stealthy, which just... You can attempt to hide when you're obscured by a creature that's larger than you in size. Constitution increase of one for the stout halfling, and you have advantage on saving throws against poison and resistance on poison, which is that dwarf feet, dwarven feature. So halflings can be played all around. Doesn't matter what class, you can do whatever you want with them. They're pretty versatile, I think. Yeah, as long as you want to play a happy-go-lucky type. Yeah. I don't um, think I've ever played a halfling. What would, be, what would be a good halfling? What would make a good halfling? Like a monk or a rogue? Mm, a rogue would be a good one because they can hide be in crowds easy. They can do all that stuff. So. Or what about like a sorcerer maybe? Do not see that. I'd say a ranger. Oh, yeah. Ranger, ranger would be good. I would think be the next one. Really be number good. two for sure. Oh, yeah. So we're down to three races left. The next one we're going to go over are the half orcs. Now... Out of the nine players' handbook races, these ones are pretty cool. They have a lot of cool features. Um, Again, they're a, a mix between a full orc and a human, mm-hmm. right? So, Yep. They are scarred and strong. I do have a question. There's not an orc race, right? There is. There's not in the player's handbook. But it's though. not in the player's handbook. Okay. Yeah. So there is a full orc race. Just It was added on in a later book down the line. Again, that's something you guys can research on your own. It's just... Um, in, well, I mean, we might yeah. do an episode about it, too. Yeah. But, um, that's it's, also factual. It's interesting that they, in the original nine races, didn't include an orc, but they did include a half-orc, you know? So you got to wonder what they were thinking. But anyway, continue. Stuff. Um, they are scarred and strong. They typically have orcish and human characteristics, uh, grayish skin tones, prominent teeth. These guys are former prisoners, disgraced and exiled, not really liked among the orcs. They're pushed away. They typically have what this says is the one-eyed god Grumsh, lord of war and fury. They created the first orcs, so they typically are kind of worshipped around that and emotionally feel emotionally powerful because of it. Just kind of the thing there with that. These guys would make great 
barbarians, and great fighters. Those are the top two classes I would put for half orcs. They get a strength of plus two, constitution of plus one. You can also put them in paladin. Oh yeah, paladin. Paladin would be good too. Um, they live up to seventy-five years. Adulthood are at age fourteen. They are medium-sized creatures. They are somewhat larger and bulkier than humans, and they range from five to well over six feet tall. I can see that. Okay, they speed thirty feet. They have dark vision also, which is that sixty feet of seen in the dark. Proficiency in the intimidation skill from a feature called menacing. Really cool. Really important for roleplay purposes, especially if you're playing a paladin half-orc. It kind of plays along there with that charisma charisma stat. Relentless Endurance, if you drop to zero hit points, you drop the one instead. Always comes in handy. I know I've used that for my half-orc fighter that I played a lot. And Savage Attacks, when you roll a natural 20, you get an additional damage die. You played a half-orc fighter? Mm Mm-hmm. Carver. Oh, yeah. I had the Lightning Warhammer. I was like... Carver Thor. Was that was that in Tyler's? That was in the Old Kingdom. That was the Old Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because okay, uh, Lily had like a flame tongue, and I had Mjolnir, pretty much. Uh, yeah. We should go back to Old Kingdom. Read, write, speak, common, and orc. Orc is a very harsh language, um, and probably does not sound as good as you would think it does. Nope. All righty. So, this is the one I typically play most of the time when I make a character. Tiefling? No, humans, and I play them for a reason, and it's the human variant that I always play them for. Yeah, the human variant's good. Yeah, so we're all human. We know all about humans, all different kinds of personalities. Typically, they live to be 80 or 70 or 90. And then they die. 90 if you're lucky. Sometimes they 35 reach, if you don't eat right. They reach adulthood at the age of 18. What's cool about this is is they even separate the humans in the ethnicities. Yeah, so you have the Kondathan. They have the Damaran ethnicity. They have the Aluskan, the Mulan, the Rashemi. There's multiple kinds. And Water it, Davian? No. That's, but, no. That's not... A, no, those are all the D&D human ethnicities you know they age just like how we do in real life they're typically medium size height build between five feet and well over six feet depending on your genes speed of 30 speak read and write common in an extra language of your choice that's why humans cool yep and the best part about humans is is even says in here like it does in a player's handbook they are exceptional learners and typically like to learn another language and it explains why they get an additional language to learn when you start out so the good thing about humans is they are extremely versatile mm-hmm. basically it's like a blank slate almost you they can are make them whatever you want versatile 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 but this is why i like humans the variant human you get two different ability scores that increase by one sure not as good as the first one However, you get proficiency in a skill of your choice, and you get a starting feat at level one. Yeah, that's really good. The starting feat is super good. I typically take a feat like Alert, Sentinel, or something that kind of steamrolls us into the next thing. All right, so the last one, I'm going to make this one quick, are the Tieflings. These are the demonic uh, race of D&D. These guys have derived from a human bloodline. They look human, however, they have a lot of infernal, demonic heritage. These guys have had some kind of thing where they had a demonic heritage of some kind. Um, like they're from a different plane. You know what's interesting is, I, maybe it's not interesting, I've always found this race interesting, is what I meant to say. I've always wanted to make a tiefling character, and I've never gotten around to it. Yeah. They're a cool race. It's what Paige played in Tyranny. She played a warlock tiefling, and she picked a specific subclass the warlock class that allowed her to you know worship a uh, demon from one of the nine hells her mom yeah her mom fierna 
they're self-reliant suspicious. They get an intelligence increase of one, a charisma increase of two. They uh, mature at the same rate as human, but live just a few years longer as human than humans. Medium size, same size and build as humans. 30 feet, they have dark vision. Here's where it gets cool with tieflings. Hellish resistance, resistance to fire damage. Infernal leg- legacy, they know the thaumaturgy cantrip. When you reach a third level, they can cast hellish, hellish rebuke as a second Hellish Rebuke is a second level spell, once with this trait and regain the ability to do so when they finish a long rest. And when they reach 5th level, they can cast Darkness once. Same, same, once they finish a long rest, they can do it again. And Charisma is their spellcasting modifier for those. They speak, read, and write Common and Infernal. Which, Infernal's a, just a kind of a awkward language, so. Yeah, it's just... Demon. Demon. Demon language. They would make good sorcerers. They would make great sorcerers. Make good bards. They would make good warlocks. They'd probably make a decent paladin, too. Think about it, yeah. It's funny how all of the what seemingly evil-leaning races are going to be the ones that make good paladins. I know, right? It's weird thinking about it. Yeah. But it also kind of blows my mind. uh, You know, we went over these, and a lot of these I never thought of playing classes that they could play, like Tiefling. Never would have played a paladin with it. Would have played a spellcaster right away, but now looking at it, like you could easily play a paladin with this yeah. for the charisma ability. So yeah. just kind of opens your mind when you kind of go over this stuff. I think that my next character that I'm going to make is going to be oh, other than the one that we're using for Chris's campaign, since he wanted us to make a character this early. I think the next character I'm going to make is going to be a tiefling sorcerer. I think um, a bear in mind. Highly recommend. Okay, good to know. Alrighty, so Joe, you right. wanted to talk about some MTG price drops. This last weekend, the Phyrexia All Will Be One Complete Edition bundles came out. And the bundles came with 10 set boosters and one complete edition booster pack. In the complete edition booster pack, there were cards called Oil Slick cards that came with 10 lands that were Oil Slick lands. And all that means is that they are like shiny black and they have like a texture on them that is a raised, you know, texture. They also had. In the back of the pack, two additional cards that were always mythic, and those cards were like really expensive. Like pre-purchase, the pre-purchase price for a lot of these cards were in the hundreds. I think the Elish Norn was at like two hundred and fifty. But as soon as these dropped and everybody got theirs, whether or not they ordered them online or they went to the store and bought them, and the market started becoming flooded with a bunch of oil slick cards, all of a sudden these prices dropped and i mean they dropped by like half and some in, in some cases even more for example i'm looking at what was supposed to be the most expensive card in the set elish norn mother of machines as an oil slick and originally it was at 248 dollars as it sits right now it is at 92 dollars and 99 cents holy so you're telling me that the alternate art that you get from the collector's editions mm-hmm that's worth $160 yeah. is worth more than the special oils look art that yes. you can only get from the complete bundle. Yes, the one that Paige has yes. is the most expensive Elish Norn from the set. That's nuts to me. Yeah. Atraxa, oil slick, original price before the release was about $103, dropped 71 So that's a $30 drop off. Mondrak, Glory Dominus, the white Dominus. Uh, originally going to be $129, currently at $58.40. That's like a $60 difference, roughly. Yeah. And I think what happened was a lot of these, a lot of people scalped them, right? So they had 
they got on their websites, their Target, Walmart, local game stores, websites, and botted. So whenever something would come up, their bot would automatically purchase them for MSRP, which was $80. And then they would turn around and promise to sell them to you, but they were all charging like $150. So a lot of these people, a lot of these scalpers thought that they were going to bring the market up, but little did they know that Hasbro Wizards of the Coast was printing a lot and they kept on dropping more and more and more. And I think Casey and I, between the two of us, we opened eight bo- eight of these boxes. I got an Elish Norm myself. She got a Mondrette Glory Dominus. But part of me is like uh, upset about it because I want to I want to say that I have a $250 Elish Norn card and I, I wish that the market wasn't so inundated or overprinted. But another part of me is actually happy about this because I really don't like scalpers and what they're doing to the trading card community. I mean, if you remember the whole Pokemon debacle with Charizard over COVID. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. But so I... I'm kind of happy that a lot of these prices are dropped. It makes it more accessible to people who want to collect them. Maybe it will discourage scalpers. Per- uh, personally, I, I really don't like that. I originally, I was going to sit on one or two of my boxes to see what the market was going to do. But as soon as I had them in my hand, I thought to myself, you know what? Cards are meant to be played, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And should have said something. I would have bought one from you. I mean, maybe I would have sold it to you. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. Sorry. No, you're good. I just opened them. Hey, they were yours. You do with them as you want, as you please. I got. Like you said cards are meant to be played. Open them up, have some fun. I got a couple of uh, fun ones. Some of the Dominuses. I didn't get the white Dominus. I got Elishnorn. I was really hoping for a Traxa, but the market for. I mean, it's always crazy whenever a new set comes out. You know, it always goes up and down. But this went way, way down. Just another. I mean, I don't know. I. Well, how do you feel about it? Hearing about how the how different that price is. I mean, it kind of sucks to hear that a card that should be worth about $250, $260 kind of just plummets to about 90 You know, you don't expect that. Kind of depressing there. But at the same time, like, I'm a collector. So to me, having, like, I got um, Tyrannix Rex Oil Slick. They have an Oil Slick Tyrannix Rex? Yeah. Oh, cool. They have an Oil Slick Tyrannix Rex, so I have that. And I have the uh, Oil Slick Zopandrel. Another Dominus? Yes, the green Dominus. You know, did Paige get a Dominus card out of hers? She also got the same one I did, I did Zopandrel. You know, you know what's interesting? I think that every single complete edition booster pack came with a Dominus. Because I feel like I got four of the Dominuses out of my four that I opened. And Casey got four Dominuses as well. She got the white, black, red, blue. So, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I love the oil slick uh, lands. I don't know if I'll put them in a deck, but I love them. I mean, I'm in it for the collector in me, like the little kid in me that's like, oh man, I got to keep these forever until the day I die. But I am kind of bummed to hear that the price plummets on them. Like, I know the lands are probably worth more than some of the cards you get out of there. You know what I mean? They're $10 a land. They're not. They're not? No, they dropped as well. They're probably 3 or $4. Oh, see, that's crappy. I think blue is 4 the rest are 3 That's crappy. Yeah. But like I said, collector in me, I still enjoy it. I mean, it kind of sucks to hear that a collector's edition card that I have is worth more than what I pick, what I picked out of the oil slick cards. But how much did you pay for your box? Uh, eighty bucks. Okay, so you bought it at MSRP. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so that's kind of my little uh, MTG market update for this week. You know, um, we have Lord of the Rings. Keep I keep on seeing the Lord of the Rings stuff on my feed in like Amazon, and I keep on like I'm like toying with the idea of maybe buying a collector bundle or maybe buying a commander 
deck. Didn't Magic just release Warhammer? 40K? Something? Yeah. Along those lines? I've been seeing a lot of those cards on my Amazon, my Facebook feed. Um, All, anywhere Magic the Gathering comes up, I've seen Warhammer 40K cards. I think that 40K stuff came out last at the very end of last year. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just, every time I see them, that's all I see. MTG 40K. 40K. I'm like, I don't even, I've never, like, Warhammer's not my thing. So, I mean, w- like, we might try it, though. Oh, yeah. I'm 100% down to try it, but, like, I've never played, so, like, I'm just, why are you showing me, like, you're just like, MTG, here's Warhammer 40K. Yeah. You know, it's, it, actually, I, I've never played Warhammer either, but I, I played one of those Warhammer decks the one night that we played, I think it was last Monday. And the artwork is all different, and it looks really... It, the art looks really cool. I really like the artwork for the 40K stuff, but I agree with you. Yeah, no, but... Anyway, that's the market right now for Magic. Uh, some new stuff's going to be coming out soon. I know that we've been playing a lot of Arena together. Mm-hmm. I know that they're going to do uh, Innistrad Remastered that was Arena-specific set. That'll be cool. That'll be, that's coming out this month, so... Ooh, ooh, ooh. That'll be fun to play. Gonna have to really make sure I'm playing, because yeah. I like OG Innistrad, and it's really good. We're gonna be checking it out, I think. So. Probably do a little bit of an update on that, too, but... All right. Hey, Matt, what are you playing or watching right now? I am currently re-watching for the third time. That time I got reincarnated as a slime. Oh, that's a good anime. It's so good, dude. It's really fun. So good. So I finished it twice already. I'm watching it a third time from the beginning, and I'm kind of going through that. I did hear that they were supposed to release a movie that continues off of where the show left off. So I'm just kind of re-watching in preps to hear more news about that movie. I haven't seen anything. I could have just missed it, but I am. I heard talks about a movie, so that's why I'm re-watching it. Casey and I just started... I, I'm re-watching it. She's watching it for the first time. Masamune Kun's Revenge. It's a slice of life. It's a lot of fun. There's a little bit of romance. You know, I'm also playing a lot of Arena. I, I think that you were playing it too. You noticed that... I, I noticed that you were on today, and I sent you a message, and I said, we should play together. So we played, we played a bunch of games today t- together, but... Um, other than that, man. I'm same. proud of myself, too, because I got the fiancé to watch Game of Thrones. Oh, she hasn't seen Game she of Thrones? She just started episode one, maybe got three quarters of the way through it. What does she think of it so far? Uh, she's very confused, and she doesn't know who people are, and I'm like, just watch. It'll explain everything. That's a and lot. And she's like, well, who are these people? I'm like, that's Jon Snow, that's Theon Greyjoy, that's Eddard Stark, that's Arya Stark, and that's the kid that gets pushed out the window. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's Tyrion Lannister, the best character in the entire show. I'm just just watch. I was That's like, it'll explain everything to you. Just I, don't worry about it. I read I read the books, at least the ones that are out right now. Oh, um, are they good? They're pretty well. Uh, yeah, they're. Let me let me ask: Are they accurate to the show? Or which one came out first? The the books came out first. Okay. Wow. Well, hold on. See, that's that's the question. What came first, the no, chicken the, or the egg, the dragon or the dragonborn? Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's five books out of seven printed, but they finished this series on the hbo show so the first five books the books came out first but six season and seven came out after the show they're, Bo- books they're not six and seven. they're not out yet so okay okay so, yeah so <laughs> all right um speaking of books i am i just finished a book called project hail mary uh it's written by the same guy who wrote the martian for those of you sci-fi fans out there that's a really good really easy read really entertaining and then because I'm kind of on a sci-fi novel kick, I also started reading Red Rising, 
another interesting one about like a caste system on Mars and like change of identity, and it's it's really it's really entertaining. Dude, you're reading some heavy stuff. I'm still reading Percy Jackson. I'm a I'm a big reader. I, I I'm not a, as big of a reader. Um, the fiance did convince me to buy a set of books one time, so I did, and I bought. I was like, I'm gonna start easy, and I am a big fan of like mythology and like just history in general. So I bought the Percy Jackson series and that's what I'm, I, I mean, I still have to finish uh, uh, the last few pages of one of the books before I move on to the next one, but I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Just not big in the reading. It just, nothing catches my attention. I really. got you, man. If you ever want a book recommendation, come to me because I've read a ton. Alrighty. So like you said, anything else? Uh, no, I think that's a pretty good wrap, man. You All want my right. team, you want one of my team cards? Uh, maybe we'll talk about that after okay and that's a wrap for the session seven podcast on our seventh episode just have to enunciate that i don't know why enjoy the uh i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did if you want to stay up to date on the latest releases be sure to hit that follow button and follow us on all social media if you loved what you heard please leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and family we always look forward for new ideas and feedback so feel free to reach out to us on social media and give us some suggestions we'd love to hear your thoughts and get some feedback for future episodes thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time on the session seven podcast have a good night i love you